Welcome to the Great Break Podcast. I am Rena Wells, the podcast you don't want to hear. And I am super excited with the guest that we have today. As you guys know, I am a healer and a mystic, and I have a fellow magical realist, Chrissy Tolley, who is here, who's doing amazing things in our spiritual community. Love her work. You guys need to check her out. She's working as a, like I said, magical realist, as a professional psychic in the Arizona uh, area. She's also created a new TV reality TV series, which is super exciting because it has to do with The Bachelor. Chrissy will get into that. She's super accurate. She's only one of the other people that I allow read me. I don't go to many psychics. So I'm really excited to have her on my show today. We're going to talk about Chrissy's awakening, how she's moved out of the matrix, her her awakening process, how she got into this kind of work, what she's helping to elevate the consciousness on our planet, where she's helping the collective. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it, talking about all kinds of things, psychic and mystical and magical, but also very real and what's happening in our society today as well. So Chrissy, thank you. Thank you for joining me and for being on my second show Please tell tell the listeners what you're what you're all about. This magical realist. What is that all about, too? And and yeah, <laughs> I'm the second person on your show. This makes me feel so. <laughs> My ego loves that. <laughs> I'm like number two. Oh, thanks. You are number two. Thank I you. would have had to. You beat you beat out my cousin. So. Well, you know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my cousin beat you out. I mean, my cousin beat you out. So. Oh, okay. I was, sorry, like, sorry. I was like, why? Your cousin's more important than I am. No, but I I completely agree with that order. Um, okay, what is a magical realist? So uh when I was in like AP lit, which here in America is um advanced placement classes in okay. high school, they're the kind of courses that you can, I don't know if they have them in Canada, but they're kind of courses yeah. that you take you can get college credit okay and the only AP classes I was ever in had to do with humanities because she can't do science or math for shit and there was this one teacher who we spent I don't even know what felt like four fucking months talking about the exact same thing looking back now because I'm also a certified teacher um it probably wasn't that long I don't but it just really stuck in my brain which was you know magical realism at least at the time was a western literature movement that okay. was you know theoretically that it will if you read books and shit they'll be like oh this first started in the 1860s or something not true mm-hmm. at all it was just when white people decided to start <laughs> writing about magic okay and now magical realism is very common and it's something that most of us would describe as fantasy right most people would describe that you know that genre in literature today as a lot of fantasy. So uh, okay. magical realism as a literature genre is just the melding of the real with the magical. Okay? Oh. So I just loved that phrase after, you know, watching the same PowerPoint in Mr. Perry's class for what felt like four fucking months. Uh, I just love that <laughs> phrase, it stuck with me. And it's how I think my work and my approach to the world is best defined. I don't believe mm. that my spiritual self is outside of the realm of what I have to deal with in the tangible earth plane. I love bananas. that. <laughs> I think it's bananas that so many, yes, particularly white spiritualists in the, you know, toxic wellness space are uh-huh. think that they can get out of the reality of the physical. I think it's weird. Right. I think it's scary. Instead, I think I do live here. I do have to li- deal with money. Right. I do have to deal with my body. I do right. have to deal with 
every element of what the earth plane asks of me. And I don't think those things negate my spiritual self or the magic that exists in everyday life. Well, I absolutely love that you're bringing that up, Chrissy, because everything that you're saying, like when you said you're bridging the fantasy with the reality, right? And that's very much like what the podcast is about too, about breaking out of the matrix and and awakening, but still being able to merge all of those concepts together because yeah, like you said, we are living here. We do live in a society that has been colonized. We do, we are living in really trying times right now. And um, so I, I think that's brilliant with them. And thank you for, for clearing that up because I love how you explained it completely. Um, I probably put it wrong, but you're welcome. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. And, and everything that you're saying and you brought up, okay, so let's get into it because you brought up the whole aspect of like white culture and the spiritualist movement and everything that you're doing. Like, I, and I think this is where I was really attracted to you and your work because as a person of color, I have had, you know, experience, you understand, I've had in that respect, I've had, um, you know, issues with coming out and doing this because of the amount of trauma to my ancestry line, right? And I know you've had trauma in your ancestry line. We, we're on the different scales, but I love in how you're talking about merging these aspects um, together because first of all, we're all human. We're all dealing with all of this from different perspectives, but we all have pieces of the medicine that are coming together to help each other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit more about like your awakening to this and being a spiritual, um, a magical realist, I should say, and a professional psychic and, and how you are reconciling that in the work that you're doing of bridging that gap. Yeah. Sure. So I, it's really common. Uh, I think this was true for you, Rena, because I've heard you speak mm-hmm. about it. It's really common for people who do the kind of work we do, for, especially, uh, yes, the level we do it, which is for money, right? To have mm-hmm. stories about engaging with the spiritual and the magical in their childhoods. And I don't mm-hmm. have any of those. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I don't have any of the stories of like, oh, I saw my grandma standing next to my bed after she passed away. Oh, I you know, engaged with this entity, but I didn't know it was. I think I do a little bit, but so much of my, I think so much of my repressed sexual abuse trauma is in, likely entwined with some of that. I agree with that. That's my suspicion anyway. Or maybe the truth is just, I was a traumatized kid who nothing magical was happening to. I have no idea. (laughs) I was raised Catholic. I'm very Irish American and Catholic. And so I remember being young and sort of being like, why aren't miracles happening to me? Miracles miracles always seem to be happening to people who then later die uh, in the Bible or saints or what have you. And I'm like, they're not happening to me. I guess I'm not special. And really what I didn't understand was that they actually, they weren't not happening to me because I wasn't special. They weren't happening to me because one, I was living in the real earth plane and two, I'm mm-hmm. a woman. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. I'm a woman. And the oh, only, yeah. it, particularly in, you know, the idea of Catholic sainthood, if you're a woman and magical things are happening to you, it means you're going to experience enormous suffering and die soon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was okay. probably glad that nothing magical was happening to me. Um, but yeah, so I didn't, I like to say, you know, I was not at all a spiritual prodigy. I was a normal, very, um, in very sensitive Piscean child. And so um, I remember in my head, 
when I was at mass, cause we had to go, we went to mass every Sunday and we had to go to mass every Wednesday at my Catholic school. God, overdoing it. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember writing, um, sermons in my head and I remember thinking of myself being up there where the priest was saying them to people when wow. I was like 10, you know, but there's just not a space for that in right. that community and I sure as hell didn't want to be a nun it's like why the fuck would you want to be a nun geez right you know right. what in their fucking right mind would choose that so, <laughs> basically I had kind of a traumatizing but upper middle to upper middle class Irish Catholic childhood um right. and when I was about and I also went to I also went to Catholic school and when I was about 12 13 14 was when we really started getting the messaging around gay people are bad, queerness is bad, gay people are bad, queerness is bad. Mm -hmm. And um, I have, one has since passed, he was a great uncle, he's a great uncle of mine, but I had two gay uncles who I was raised mm -hmm. around and they were the nicest men I've ever met. They are some of the kindest men I've ever met. So when they started mm -hmm. really trying to hit that at us when we were a little older, I was like, this is just wrong. <laughs> this is like, this is a lie. I'm right. like, these are the only men who haven't abused me. <laughs> so right. You well, know, that's like, so fascinating. Well, it's I'm just gonna I'm, jump in there. It's fascinating that first you're like you're saying they were the only men that didn't abuse you, and that they were gay, and that they showed you the most you know support and love and on all of those things. And so there definitely was some kind of break or awakening that happened at at a young age for you, even though you may not have had those mystical experiences. It's still quite sure, for sure. Yeah. And I will say I I'm lucky enough to have because my mom comes from a very large family and also because my parents divorced when I was young, both remarried and are still with the people they remarried. I have a ton of aunts and uncles, all of whom I only have good things to say about, but the ones who I tend to think were the funniest and the best were the queer ones. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I guess I should add a lot of my uncles are delightful and, and were not abusive, but all of my traditional father figures were. And so I don't know they're starting to give me this bullshit and already I'm like I'm not playing ball I'm not playing ball and I remember when I was 14 years old we were sitting my mom and I were sitting at a light next to a Catholic church weirdly I'm now realizing it was the church she was married to my father and and she was like I think we should go back to you know we should really we should really go to mass we've fallen out of going to mass we should really go to mass and I was like mom I'm not a Christian anymore I just like mm. said that to her and my mom who's frankly more culturally Catholic than she is truly Catholic kind of just was like okay which I really okay. appreciate that she did not hit this home too much. Uh, and so I kind of, while I continued to be at Catholic school, I wasn't engaging in, you know, the religious element of it. So I swear I'm answering your question. Oh my God, she's so Irish Catholic. Okay, cut to. <laughs> it's okay, I love your stories. They're great. Why <laughs> answer something in five minutes that you can answer in 60? Um, okay, so cut to, you know, I'm 19, 20, 21, and I'm in college starting to remember my repressed childhood and sexual mm. abuse stuff. And I am going, I don't even mean this in a negative way or an ableist way. Clinically, I am going crazy. Like mm -hmm. I am going crazy. Like okay. I was, okay. uh, like it was bad. Like my poor friends who lived with me in the dorm, I remember there was an entire week where I slept in my closet because I Ooh. thought I was, I felt like I was being hunted you know not psychosis level but like that the feeling in my body was that yeah. they are for me I'm being hunted and I didn't understand that I was just starting to actually integrate 
stuff my childhood okay so I spend those years even though I'm really grateful for my college experience I was not well during the majority of my college experience I was not mentally well and so by the time I was about you know luckily I get past the bulk of that through quite frankly therapy and psych meds which both of which saved my life and I start being able to integrate that more and by about 23 24 I'm then leaning toward um literature and and uh, cards and things that have to do with angels. Okay. Come in full circle. Interesting. I toward things that are about angels. So Doreen virtue decks, you know, <laughs> um, Kyle gray is okay. a, an angel communicator from Scotland. Who's very popular. Um, I was reading his books. Like I just started to lean toward angel stuff in ways I couldn't really understand, but it was what I was pulled toward. Um, mm-hmm. and I was still, I mentioned it back, you know, maybe five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. How long has she been talking? Oh, no. Um, I, I, <laughs> no, no, it's a, I'm a certified it's a... teacher. So when I realized I wanted to be a writer and I quite frankly didn't have the stamina for that at all um, or the mental wellness to follow through on that craft, right, so sure. I became a teacher both because I think I, I carry the energy of being a teacher 100%. Um, I adore working mm-hmm. with kids. I'm very good at it. And so many people in my family are teachers. Um, like it's right. my lineage on both sides really heavily. So I kind of did the thing that I think a lot of people in their early to mid twenties do, which is say, I don't know, this is what everyone else has done. I'm giving up on whatever it is. I thought I could be the end, which isn't to speak negatively about teaching as a profession. It's one of the most sacred callings there is, but I went into yeah. it with the wrong energy. So this is how I end up in 2015 living in new Orleans. After I got my master's in education, I did like a year long, um, program to get my teaching so I'm in New Orleans uh which I had only visited once but decided to move to with my friend best friend of mine she's black um and I am teaching at a public school and I start to after even though it had been many years since I'd done this I start to lose my mind again and there's a reasons this happened um some of it was I just probably was in the wrong profession some Mm -hmm. of it was I really carry the energy of like traditional uh, diagnosable workaholism. So I was truly, and this is very common in the first couple years of teaching, I was working like 60 plus 70 hour weeks. Wow. My body does not, my body does not have the stamina for that. Um, my psych med at the time was starting to wear off because I had been using it for a few years, which I didn't realize. And then this is the, this is the kicker and why we're here. Um, I believe that I started to be possessed by a dead person. And New Orleans is one of one of the most oh, it's, it, yeah it's one of the most spiritually potent places in the world, and I would argue it is. the most spiritually potent place in the United States. So, I just you know was a white girl who showed up to New Orleans, um, not ready at all for what was about to spiritually occur to me. Wow. Okay, so let me let's just back up a little. So this is fascinating yeah, that I'm learning all of this about you. Wow, Christy, this is exciting. Okay, so. Because, you know, I've only seen you in the work capacity, you know, and so here. Sure, yeah. And yeah. this was all like, it's so wild to think about it because this was all like seven years ago. And there is some mm-hmm. piece of me that still thinks this happened like two years ago. No, seven years ago, this happened. Right. And and it's fascinating because it's it's like, okay, so you first had your little break of like psychosis break or whatever else mm-hmm. early. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you get into the. 22, yeah, 2021. Yeah. Right. And then you get deeper into the system. That's how I'm kind of like perceiving it. And then you get deeper into the system and then something else breaks. And so to the point where your medication was no longer working, is that? Is that I just, 
I had been on what I refer to as the psych med carousel in my early twenties. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um, I, 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 anybody, anytime somebody is trying to do multiple psych meds, which is very common when you're trying to figure out what's I've the best. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, no, we yeah. have yeah. anybody who does this job or could do this. <laughs> right. So I so true. finally, I had found something that was working. I think it was Wellbutrin. I mean, it's just really basic. SSRIs, really basic antidepressants. And I just had been taking it long enough that what I was discovering during that period of my life is that I could really only be on one type of med or at least one type of med in that dosage for about two years before it just stopped working. Okay. Okay. So, so then go ahead, go ahead. It just was wearing off. So <laughs> this could have gone differently if my med wasn't wearing off, but at the same time, okay. it really happened how it was supposed to. Okay. Perfect. So then what happened at that point? Were you having more mystical experiences? Did you question more of the mysticism? Yeah, and because yeah. of the possession thing. I think that's fascinating because I've had similar, something happened similar to me when I was 18. Something tried to possess me through the tarot cards, which woke yeah. me the hell up to something more. So I think this is fascinating that, you know, and I think people need to hear that too, that there are things out there when you do open up and you know, or when you're having a break in your most vulnerable point, mm-hmm. these things can, can come in. So, so tell me now what, now this is getting a little good. So tell me now, but what happened when, when right. that break so happened? We, yeah. So we move into my friend. She is still my best friend. Um, she and I visited New Orleans in spring of 2015. We both had this weird, like, I guess we're going to move there now. I got a job offer there um, at a public okay. school. The problem was not the school. The school was wonderful. The kids were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Problem me. So uh, I get a job offer there. We move there. Um, you know, after I left, and I'll explain this in a second. After I left, other people moved into my bedroom in the house we were in, and everybody who moved into that bedroom went insane. So <gasps> you think? <laughs> what? Not good. Anyway, so I I don't know that that's true. Like that's obvious. Who knew, whatever. That feels true to me, to be honest. And I know it was. Like, Everybody yeah. who lived in that bedroom lost their mind. So I, that couldn't have helped. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, by the time I had moved to New Orleans mid-2015, I had already started to read these these book, books about angels connected to the angelic realm, I think, even though I wasn't aware I was doing that. I already had two card decks. Um, mm. One I bought myself, one my sister had gave me. One was a Doreen Virtue deck, the purple one. One was the original Kyle Gray, like Archangel deck. And I had okay. already started to use them. What was so interesting is I'm, you know, trying to teach, working really hard, getting really in my ego about how, you know, my best friend who's black and is clearly supposed to be here in New Orleans having this significant experience is, you right. know, very easily making friends, like killing in a game. And I'm over here being, you know, this dramatic white girl who's pouty and losing her mind, right? <laughs> which is very much what was happening. But I kept, interestingly, Rena, I kept pulling cards and the cart and I was starting to hear, I don't want to say I was hearing voices, but I was starting to get very explicit messages from spirit okay. and what okay. I interpreted as an angelic messages. And I don't think I was wrong. This is yeah. when it starts. Like, this is when it's like, oh, things are talking to me. And when oh. I listen to them, it's probably better. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and then simple stuff, you know, the kind of thing where it's like, oh, go turn left. Don't turn right, turn left. You know, like the really basic stuff, like, oh, right. you know, buy this, don't buy this. Hey, that kid, where's that kid? You know, in my classroom, right. he's fine. He'll be back in two minutes. You know what I mean? Like 
still like th those kind of really basic messages. And I understood yeah. that it was because I was connecting to the angelic realm. Interestingly, I was just so disheartened and I'm in the wrong place and I'm doing the wrong thing. And I know it's bad and I fucked up my life and I can't believe this. Why can't I teach everybody in my family can teach, you know, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Yeah. And I keep pulling the same card, which is the entrepreneurship card. I keep pulling the entrepreneurship card over and over and over again. And it's, and it keeps coming up in response to the question, like, why is this happening? What am I doing wrong? Why is this happening? What is wrong with me? Entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. Yeah. I was like, what entrepreneurship? Like, I am a teacher yeah. barely making it through their first technical certified year of education. I'm not right. an entrepreneur, right? So, so then it's this same semester. I literally am only living in New Orleans for one semester of teaching. Okay. That's yeah. I fly home to Tucson, Arizona, where I'm from, where I live now, where my family is for Thanksgiving break. Unfortunately, by about mid-October, I was becoming pretty suicidal, like active okay. getting stage suicidal ideation. Okay. Wow. So okay. by the time I know <laughs> it's not good. So by the time I, I okay. home to Thanksgiving, I already, you know, at least theoretically in my own mind. <laughs> looking back I'm like would she have done this but in my mind I was doing it had a plan had a date you know okay. what I, mean? I was wow. like oh here we go like this is the last time you know this is likely the last time I'm seeing my family it might be the second to last you know like wow like, I'm already like Chrissy's got to write a bunch of letters to people you know like I'm already wow. in the planning stages of killing myself okay so I get wow. home and I start to wake up to what's going on like it's true like I realize you know kind of back in a vibrational safe space of like being with my mom you know like I'm like oh this is bad like I wake up and I bought myself on the head I'm like holy shit so I was able luckily through that same my best friend who was like my <laughs> my best friend who lives in the bedroom next to me who's like my Chrissy's losing her mind she needs a therapist I had gotten a therapist at my friend's, you know, insistence. And yeah. I had only worked with her like twice up until that point, but I called her from right. Tucson and I was like, I, I, this is what's going on. And she was like, you need to get yourself into a facility. And I was mm. like, okay. <laughs> Cause I knew she was right. So I luckily there's this, it's, uh, I'm, I credit it with saving my life. There's this place called the um, crisis response center here in Tucson, Arizona. Um, and it's truly just a psychiatric holding center. Um, yeah. and so I went there and I was really only there for like a day and a half. And right. it's the kind of thing where, you know, luckily they do have social workers there. They do have psychiatrists there and, uh, they just got me on a different med. They literally just put me back on Prozac, which was like half the problem. <laughs> I was so vibrationally right. low, both because of where I was and because of the, this entity, I suspect that like, I really just right. needed a different med. I really needed yeah. like, psychiatric help. Um, and yeah. I remember talking to. This was my, my favorite thing. I still, God, I credit them so much. But I remember talking to the psychiatrist there and I was like, he was like, what is happening? I was like, I'm a failure. Like, I'm just a failure. He goes, you're not even old enough to be a failure. <laughs> it was all right. I was 25 at the time. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, like what is ultimately a very like lovely life. And I just need to admit to myself that I made the wrong choice so that my parents would love me. Big quotes, you know, like, right, right, right. you're not even old enough to be a failure. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, God, that man is so right. <laughs> and then interestingly, the social worker there, dynamite lady, she was just like, you know, honestly, after listening to me talk and she, gosh, she was so on it. She was like, I think a lot of what's happening is you're engaging in a ton of self-pity. 
and she, and she was like and she was not unkind she was so kind when she said that she was like look around everybody right. here you know is experiencing legit psychosis and is like and houselessness she's right. like what are you doing you know and I was just like okay yeah it was just these just it kind of hit you a little yeah, bit I was, like, Donk. Right. I was like okay like what am I doing you know so Luckily, you know, so I leave after truly only a day and a half. It was to the point where I was like, I, okay, I'm at least stable enough where I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go do it. And I don't, right. right? So I go back to my mom's house and I just make the choice because I think it was the choice that needed to be made. I was like, I can't keep living in New Orleans. I can't keep doing this. This is dangerous. This is not fair to these kids. And I feel an enormous amount of shame, but I'm quitting my job. And so I did. Luckily, you know, again, the staff at the middle school I taught at were phenomenal and it just sort of worked out in the sense that it was the middle of the semester they had a great fit that person took my role and the hard was I never I ended up you know going back to New Orleans one time with my sister to pack up my stuff say goodbye to my friend um who you know and that was it we drove back from Los we drove back from Louisiana to Tucson and that was and so that was like that whole was that what changed you, Chrissy? Is that what totally oh, we're almost there? So you? yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. so we're so we come home. I am still because I kind of just still knew. I was like, if I stay in New Orleans, I'm gonna end up killing myself. Like I just knew. I was right. like, I will, and this will become my friends, my poor friends' problem. You know, I was like, we're not doing right. this. So even though I had a ton of shame and really deep grief around leaving those kids, because I never got to say goodbye to those kids. Right, right. Those kids and that there's a piece that still haunts me in some ways. Um, yeah. I came home and a, another friend of mine here in Tucson suggested I work with a shaman in named Don Pedro Gonzalez. Originally, he's originally from um, central Mexico, but he had relocated. Mm-hmm. I know of, I know of him. Yes. I've heard yeah. of him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I had, I had seen him once before. Um, but you know, it was a very different context to see him, you know, three weeks after I had moved home. And he takes one look at me in my eyes and he goes, this is not your sadness. And I said, okay. And he, he did that thing where he looks in my eyes and he goes, whoa, like, <laughs> like, oh no. And I was, I remember feeling so defeated in that moment. Cause I was like, I'm a lot better than I was, you know, three weeks ago. <laughs> so to have this like fabulously talented man look at me, like, terrifying. This is terrifying. I was like, I actually have a lot better. <laughs> Uh, and he proceeds to do an exorcism on me. Really? Uh, yeah. And yeah. Was it that demon thing? Was it that or was it? Do you, do I, you... I am not sure. I really, I really think what happened is there was an entity. I don't know. It, to, it, I don't know. He just yeah. was like, he figured out that it was a dead person. It could have been God only knows what else or what was connected. Right. Who knows? Maybe it was. A, a stronger entity pretending to be a dead person I don't know but he got it the right. fuck out of me right and I remember he sat me down before he did this and he said you know sometimes I have to tell people things and I said okay and he was like the other day I was standing in line at the bank and I just wanted to deposit my check but spirit told me to go talk to the lady who was who was withdrawing something at the counter and I said okay he's like and I didn't want to talk to the lady I wanted to stay in line and deposit my check and I said okay because I don't know why we're having this conversation (laughs) I don't know why this like 70 year old Mexican shaman is telling me about being at the bank okay and he's like he's like so I went up to the lady and I told her tomorrow everything will be okay and she started weeping because she had just taken out all of her life savings because she intended to kill herself that night 
Oh my God. And he was like, so sometimes I have to do that. And I was like, yeah, I, okay. He was like, sometimes you'll have to do that. I said, okay. He was like, <laughs> on the table. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> so he saw that in you. He saw that you, there's definitely. Total gift catalyst. So this man casually performs an exorcism. And the next day it begins. The next day, Rena. Like literally it went kukunk. Like so not Okay, hold on, hold on for a second. Okay, so uh, he, what did he do exactly? Was it like a ceremony, a night thing? Did he pull something out of you? Did you? Yeah, so he literally made me like, I was on the table and he was doing the thing he always does. And I've seen him do in the past was like all this like chant, like chanting to like big energy out of chakras from what I can tell. I don't know. Right. And then he makes me stand up and he literally calls in Archangel Michael and certain other archangels and starts like scream yelling kind of. Uh, like the angels to like take this thing out of me and he like this is intense he has his big crystal and he's like waving it like it's a sword and like calling like this i don't know standing as if he is um like calling the thing out of me and then getting these big archangels to get it out wow it was wild i can't i can kind of i can kind of feel i won't make makes me feel like i want to Purge that usually happens when something pure comes into me and I need to like yeah yeah so, that's intense okay yeah it's just like and this is just like a day-to-day like, a big qualifier because somebody's gonna ask Don Pedro died that year did was that the year he 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 crossed over yeah he 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 worked on me in like late January and he crossed over that October wow yeah, and I and I'm just so lucky that I mean clearly our club, clearly he was supposed to do this you know but like yeah. I'm just very, like so you know I've I've told this story many times and people are like oh where is he I'm like that man is dead and he deserves yeah. he's done enough work he's done a lot of work wow <laughs> Chris let him go so that's when it begins that's when it fucking begins that's when it's like I do have messages for people in the damn store yeah. I have you know then maybe three weeks later the dead people stuff starts it's completely mm. it feels and it does it feels cool in the sense that I'm no longer depressed and instead this is happening so you're not depressed now so that was well, done but now you're yeah. getting vi- the visions and you're getting yeah the now, it's, now it's an exchange I have exchanged being depressed for this experience which is fine I'd rather do that but it was really overwhelming and I think what was hardest for me is I was starting to kind of scare the people who loved me because they had known, oh, Chrissy quit her job. She had to move home. Like Chrissy had this psychotic break basically. And now the next thing they're hearing is that I have messages for people in the grocery store. Like they're like not down. Right. Not that I'm sharing this with everybody, but like, you know, even my mom, my best friend, you know, certain family members who trust me, you know, like they don't know what to do with me. Right. Well, it's such a drastic shift too, right? And then when you're called to this kind of work, it does make you look, you know, you don't fit the societal norms anymore. And no. and and you never did really because your soul is, I mean, you've got such a, an old soul and, and we've, we've been able to exchange energy and stuff like that. So, so I know you in that respect, but it's like, it's fascinating to hear your story, Chrissy, because I, I, I didn't know this, this part of you, right? Um, yeah and so hearing the transition it's almost like i i love that we're doing this because it, it feels like people in the world are going through 
that experience oh yeah that that you're going through that you I just happen through, to be you know it, like you know five to seven years earlier than other people yeah yeah but I, I think I'm a good example maybe I'm wrong I don't know but I think I'm a good example of the kind of you're person right. it have like a a w- really big break awakening who yeah. wasn't necessarily born with that or yeah. if it certainly wasn't active or I think you were definitely born with I think you were definitely born with I think it's what happens is there's something that happens to us where we pick certain things that we know is gonna wake us Mm -hmm. the hell up you know so I I was not expressing that energy as a young person the way that so many people who step into this work do but I did get real bonked real bonked on the head (laughs) um yeah you really did and and you know that happened in winter early 2016 and a year and a half later I started my business wow yeah it was fast that is fast that is fast and so as you moved into your business now and I wanted to bring this up too of working because we talk a lot about the colonialism and I know that's part of like your mission and being a white woman doing this work and and stuff like that um do you feel that you still carry some of your ancestry line wounding with, with doing this kind of work from where you've come from? Yeah. <laughs> you love it. yeah. Of course I do. Um, I mean, I think yeah. I'm 10 times better than I was. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm 10 times better than I was when I first started, but so, I was also, I was just really blessed that there were a number of not white people in my life who mm. have already uh, given me the significant gift, even, mm. you know, as a younger person of helping me right. and, and heal right. toxic whiteness, you know, so, so I, what, I still say I came into the, my job a lot more aware than the average mm-hmm. white woman in the job, but that does exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that was very made, that was very apparent to everyone who worked with me right away, but right you know, the fact that I was more aware, I mean, fuck, the bar is low, the bar is in hell, you know, so. (laughs) And well, and this is the thing, what about somebody that doesn't have that, what what you, what you were able to have that you already had, you know, some experience with, you know, um, coming into this and where you're coming from, seeing a shaman, people having friends of color, there are white people that don't engage Mm-hmm. in that way and they're breaking really hard I know I've yeah, seen some breaking. people yeah they're I've seen really, really hard right now and I really hard yeah and also or they're breaking really hard or they're joining cults I mean one or the other right. so <laughs> yeah pick, pick Unfortunately. I'd rather break really hard um yeah I don't I don't really know what to say to them other than when you are faced with breaking really hard and going down into the when you're faced with breaking really hard and admitting that a lot of what you know to be true about yourself is shit and is dangerous versus joining a cult and staying with your ego I really hope you choose the first option mm-hmm. I really 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 hope for your own sake you I choose the first option but most people won't and that's okay I know I think we're... <laughs> it's just what happens you know I know and this and what this is the whole cult thing, but I want to, I don't really get into that, but like, you don't have to get it. We really don't have to get into that. I just think so many people who do spiritual work, particularly white women, right? Cis women, especially Americans. Okay. Are 
either getting their asses handed to them, which is good. And I don't mean that in the cancel culture energy way. I mean that in your life is falling apart. What will you do, Courtney? Okay. (laughs) Right. I'm Chrissy. I'm not talking even. I know. You know, but like Courtney and I are on the same team, right? Um, So either they're having that moment or they're saying, Mm -hmm. no, no, I am so right that I will continue this delusion. Right. And what do you think? It's just fascinating to me because I'm looking at it from, from a different perspective where, you know, I grew up in a sense where I always tried to be white because I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I was the only brown girl on the street, right? So this breaking that is happening to the white cis women that we're talking about, um, just give me a second. I'm just, I'm just feeling out an, a question here because I'm feeling like there's, something deeper that spirit may want us to like go into in regards to what it yeah what do you think that resistance really is like you you had your experience and your opening and whatnot and I really truly believe Chrissy that you're here to help you know people in your um other other white people or in white women to move into right more of an elevated state of femininity or their divine feminine or their energy or their soul or their whatever you want to call it and their essence so let's let's go into that because I think we're gonna we're gonna take a break before we like go deeper into it but let's let's give them a little bit about what is it that you think that holds these these white women back and the fear from you know, actually looking at at yeah. the the system and and their awakening process. What are they resisting in in opening up to to something more? Well, I first let me say that I am also resisting it. Are you? In, well, in more more complex ways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right? Okay. I'm yeah. on you know, I'm on level ten of resisting it, and a lot of them are oh. on level two to four you know okay okay um, so there's it, different it, levels it, I didn't think of it that way yeah yeah, yeah. just, like, just yeah. like any amount of healing like there's different levels but I think it is to truly look at and not be loyal to our own whiteness because white whiteness is not about genetic lineage whiteness is a concept that was created to harm us and harm other people for the benefit mm-hmm. of the okay so to truly mm-hmm look at and not believe that our whiteness is our identity requires us to sacrifice power and control Mm. and and where and where do white women being a woman too where do they have power and control really what is that do they have power and control men who they are allegiant to typically Mm. interesting men who they are allergic to and whatever lies we have been conditioned to tell ourselves about how the world's pain is not ours okay I never attached it to a man before it's well it's not entirely attached to a man but there are ways that it can be certainly that it can be yeah probably like in worth that work ethic moving up the social ladder scale things like that as well standing up to your husband standing up you know if you if you have one standing up to your dad standing up to your grandfather right right that's where my work is right now Right. And where are the, where are the troubles that you're facing with that? Are you hitting any money? Money. Money. Wow. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Totally. 
like they don't want to pay or is it not no, 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 no. like they'll give me money like but like it's so often for white women and particularly white women like me who have some amount mine isn't a crazy amount but some amount of um inherited wealth right it's like how do you this is just for me personally i'm not saying this yeah. is true white women okay. but like, you know it's it has to do with like okay where are the ways in which in some ways i'm I'm not i think you know what i mean as a person who's i as a person mm -hmm. who has mm -hmm. experienced a significant amount of trauma at the hands of the people in the lineage right where yeah. is some of this kind of owed to me <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what i mean so like this just sort of makes sense energetically and where am i forfeiting my own values to receive it mm. Okay. And then, okay, let's say that you do receive the money in some capacity. How do you deal with that? What does that teach you about yourself? So that's why. Where, is that's yeah, it, it just fascinates me. It's so wrapped up around money, right? We're on the other with white women. Yeah, and, it's all about what you're talking about. Whereas in respect to BIPOC, it is about our worthiness to do anything in this world. Sure. Oh, for sure. So it's okay. not about money. Ours is a survival. So I'm just finding the, the, the link there of how they play, how they interact together. It's quite fascinating. It's fascinating to me right now. Just kind of putting that together. Well, I might just be, I might be only looking at it from my personal perspective, or I might just be framing it incorrectly. Right. But it's just, yeah. I think it's, yeah. The earlier I think if we're looking at allegiance to whiteness and white women and how this connects to spirituality, probably the very earliest like level zero, one, and two, okay, mm -hmm. are like, hey, you're a white person. That means your lineage has done shit things. Right. That's like, those yeah. are the big <laughs> Right. I think that's where we're basically starting to wake up to of the mass yeah. consciousness, right. right? We're starting there. Yeah. Yeah. And then levels eight, nine, 10 are more like, okay, if you have to participate in the system, and if this person is your grandfather, father, what you're expressing yourself how do you st either stay or not stay in relationship to that while admitting that part of the reason you stay in relationship to it, whether you want to admit to it or not, is because of your ability to have security. Mm. How much security is, quote, owed to you? What is security? What is safety? Why does it exist for me, but not wow. for Black women? Why do, and wow. why do we so often tell the story that that is somehow spiritual, I'm spiritually entitled to that by God, through God? Wow. I never thought of it that way. It's all about the structure and the foundation. And right. So this is why there's oh, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. And it's just it's it's similar because it's still from a lack mindset where which is where I think when we come to the middle ground between BIPOC and and white and being spiritualist and finding God is to recognize that we're all coming from that lack mindset just from different perspectives because yes, yes. Yeah. and we've yeah. been told to approach that in different ways based on the identity that our race or right. born sex assigns to us so mine right. having been raised middle to upper class as a white mm -hmm. girl who went to Catholic school and prep school and was trained to be praying and this is this and where's your husband is mm -hmm. your husband a doctor yeah well see I was raised like that too but I was like so it's really fascinating because I was middle upper class as well but sure. right, but brown, but yeah. very fair skin growing up. And so I, people of my own culture, I just dated someone from my own culture who would make fun of me because I speak like a valley girl. He's like, you talk like a white girl. And I'm like, 
Well, because that's how I grew up with. <laughs> I'm going to talk with people I'm raised around. Or, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. But it, it's fascinating because there's like this, um, I don't know, everything you're saying is just, fa- it's just really fascinating to, to me because it also helps me to alleviate a lot of things that I had to work through and to see that other women also on the, who are white are actually going through very similar things just on the opposite scale that we're trying to all just evolve into sure. something yeah, yeah probably slower than you and probably small slower than other women of color <laughs> just, just, <laughs> i don't know i don't know on the opposite know. spectrum but very fucking slowly yeah yeah but there's definitely okay so let's let's take a quick break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about uh kirstie we're gonna get more into about um what you're doing, what you're moving in your business, how you're changing the collective, uh, what your mission is, things like that. Um, Yeah, so we're gonna be right back. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll see you guys soon. Just hang tight. Hey guys, I'm gonna really just give you the lowdown about Chrissy. And there aren't many intuitives that I go to or people that I trust and I'm not asking you to trust even my opinion I want you to just really follow your gut instinct especially if you are pulled to the work that I'm putting out there in the world there are a lot of mystical things that we don't quite understand in our world things that have been suppressed from us taken from us we have been suppressed in our intuitive knowing our mysticism our pineal gland we have been imprisoned in certain societal beliefs What I have found with Chrissy is that mystical piece. I can speak to her and feel safe about ancestral trauma and what we go through in order to see these otherworldly things. So I I just wanted to put that out there, that if you are pulled to Chrissy, check her out. She's funny. I mean... We banter back and forth. She's got a great sense of humor. She's creative. She's funny. She's one of one of the rarest, most beautiful souls that I know. And I just really want to lift her up in this. So please take a look at her. Check her out. And yes, I got to toot my own horn. You guys know that I have experienced life in a completely reversed way from my abilities and how I know spirit. So yeah, if you want to work with me, I do have services available. Check it out. Go to my website. Don't forget to like and subscribe, guys. Follow everyone that I put on this show and myself included. And let's get back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Great Break Podcast, the podcast you don't want to hear. I'm here with Christy Tolley. I'm Rena Wells, your host. And we are going to continue our conversation about how Christy had her big awakening as a magical realist and a professional psychic intuitive. And we're going to get more into about the work now that she's doing, uh, what she sees, solutions, how she's moving her work forward and waking up humanity and the collective. So tell us a little bit more about your work, Chrissy. What is it that, I guess, the heart of your work, what drives you in the work that you're doing and, and, your vision for it. Sure. Uh, well, I think part of the reason Rena and I, you and I like each other a lot or, and just sort of naturally vibe is because 
I'm, I don't want to define your work for you, but I think something you and I share and talk so much about is spiritual, what I refer to as spiritual inheritance, um, which right. is energetic lineage inheritance that you get from the D, your DNA. Um, mm-hmm. I focus on that in my work. Just I just, you know, to my quote business model is just one-on-one readings. There's a 45 minute option, which um, my time boundary sucks because it's probably an hour. And <laughs> 25 minute option, time boundary sucks. Yeah. So an hour and a half um but so those, those <laughs> if you go to my website those are the only two things you can buy okay right. and um Rena was sort of mentioning there's a, a new addition an add-on to my work yeah. now that's that's the core of it and I will probably stay the core of it and Rena and I both I think spend a lot of time focusing on what spiritual inheritance is which I just defined it as lessons that your family has passed on to you and your siblings and your cousins and people you are genetically related to that you are going to for whatever reason sort through in this lifetime that's what I spend a majority of my time talking about now I will I'm happy to talk about you know the you know somebody's girlfriend and why they broke up three years ago I'm happy to talk about you know, this new work project that they've got going on and the supervisor's bananas. I, I talk tiny details and I love talking tiny details, but the foundation of all of those tiny details that Spirit's giving me is still informed through the spiritual inheritance they came into this mm-hmm. life. So it's very common when I start a reading for me to say, okay, we need to talk about your mom's mom. <laughs> you know? It's just like, let's start with her, right? Um, and then suddenly, you know, within three minutes, we're talking about the power dynamics of that woman and what she had and what she experienced, why you're, why the mom's like that, why they raised the client and the client's sister like that, and why that we now have this supervisor who's bananas. Right, right. right. So that's what I spend so much of my time talking about. Um, the way I would say my work is evolving, Rena knows this because she and I have had multiple <laughs> professional and personal discussions about it recently, has to do with um, spiritual influence or possession, and particularly demonic possession. That right. is what more and more of my clients are coming to me with and dealing mm-hmm. with both because I think we're just seeing that on the earth plane a lot more. So yeah. like, why do you think that is? Why do you think, cause I, I'd love to hear your viewpoint on why you think that is. Cause I don't get to talk to many people about that at all. And I don't think even our listeners, they might be curious of, and they may be experiencing things. So I think more people are experiencing yeah. these dark oh, things. Oh, all right. Yes all of us and if you are experiencing something like that it's not a moral failure it's just what is happening right um why is it happening i don't know (laughs) uh certainly the spiritual warfare element that's going on is very potent i don't love that language not because i think it's wrong but because it's really been um weaponized by the right in america Mm -hmm. and globally that energy and that language has been weaponized um but I don't think it's incorrect. I just think a lot of the people mm-hmm. who are fighting on the quote right side of that spiritual war are not. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Yeah. And no, so, no, that's very that, true. Yeah. And I would say, especially Rena, in the past four-ish months. <laughs> My God. I oh no. I can't tell you. Like they're starting to to like. I'll just be outside sitting one evening. I was just sitting outside, minding my own business. It was late, you know. I was doing a little, you know, just sitting. And this person, and all I saw at the corner of my eye was a shadow. Like I didn't even, it wasn't even a human. Mm-hmm. And then it came by the fence and then it, the, the man came right up to the fence. He's like, hi. And it was not a man. Like it was. Yep. And so yep. 
these things are, I'm, I've noticed it too, picking up a lot, a lot. And my theory for it is that they're starting to, the veil is becoming very thin yeah. and people are waking up more, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I actually don't, I don't really have a grounded theory for it. I just am observing it and I'm like, oh, right. oh no. And so I, on my social media more and more, I'm communicating to just kind of whoever who will listen, please start praying. Right. Start communicating or being engaged with either again or the first time the spiritual, whatever your spiritual lineage is or whatever your spiritual alignment is. Please wake up. Right. You get going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was going to ask them, do you think spirit is, you know, this is coming to you a lot more because spirit is, is prepping your work to change in that way or do you have any insight on that or I keep trying to avoid the question Rena keeps circling <laughs> I, w- I wasn't sure if I should ask <laughs> no 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 it's just I truly I think the reason I'm avoiding it is because I don't know the answer and I'm worried I don't I'm not ready for what I have been prepped for even though that's probably not true yeah I am at my core I'm supposed to and I was always meant to over time be be able to do for other people what Don Pedro Gonzalez once did for me. Right. That's beautiful. And I knew that from the beginning. I knew that from the beginning. What's really funny is I thought I was (laughs) arrogant bitch. I thought I was ready, you know, two years into my work. Hilarious. Now I'm five years in, a little over five years in, and I'm like, she's not ready. What are we doing? Isn't that the case? That's always the case. I'm I'm not. same I thought I was like meant to be an ayahuasca shaman and that got ripped out of my butt and I'm like okay I guess I'm not ready I'm like oh no I'm not ready now I'm like I don't want to I don't know if I'm yeah ready. no but the people who actually are ready are like not this and the people who are like I'm ready for the work are like children spiritually right. and they're right. about to get their asses handed to them or possessed and then possess more people so that's very fun um but yeah that's I have to go do that but I don't know what that looks like I don't know there to me, and this is going back to my, you know, level 10 security, money, security, money, right. bullshit. you know, I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I just don't have to do that. How, how am I going to have my credit score? So then what are you focusing on to maybe that leads to that? Or what have you been right. guided on well, right this now? This is where and... things get absolutely hilarious. Where I'm focusing on that and the way that I'm trying to make my work more accessible to more people, especially cost-wise, is through creating this brand that I'm calling reality TV psychic. And, um, and that's what Rena was referring to. So I, back in October, I've been a longtime fan of the bachelor for years and it's actually I love the bachelor too. So yeah. I, and <laughs> Canada bachelor is its own kind of world, but is also excellent. U S bachelor is like way more tacky and terrible, but is considered like the ultimate, you know, like, Oh, that's the one I was talking about. It's not the U S one you're watching. Yeah, I, I watch U S. Do you watch Canada? You know, U S. Okay, but there is Canada, yeah. right? Oh, is there? I don't know. I watched the U.S. one. There used to be Canada. Fuck. Oh. She's she's gonna say that she's a bachelor. I don't like anything about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So yes, we're, we're referring we're referring to the U.S. one, and there's now many Canadians on the U.S. one. Many right. Canadians have been very successful on the, um, and even people from Toronto have been super successful oh. on. Well, I haven't watched it in the last three years, so. Okay, well, there's way more Canadian okay. people 
Okay, anyway, so I have watched this since about 2013, 2014, um, very early, even before I realized how intuitive what I was, I was watching it from an intuitive lens. So I would sort of say, oh, here's so-and-so on screen. Oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. No, 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 not him. Bad news, right? Of course, and just energetically reading him, I was, I would be correct. Um, oh. And so I've done this for years. I did it with my cousin, Allie. She's also a very gifted intuitive. Um, you know, it's, I've just, I've loved it. And so eventually I started doing it online in a way that people could see back in October of last year, which was the very beginning of Michelle's season of The Bachelorette, um, I started filming the TV screen through my Instagram stories. And then I just added captions next to the TV screen with my intuitive reads of the contestants who were getting out of the right. shell. And people really loved it. Well, that's not true. Maybe 100 people really loved it. And the remaining 3000 followers of mine are like, this is annoying and either unfollowed me or muted me, which I respect. But that eventually, <laughs> I did it for Clayton's season. And then for this season, um, my friend Bevan helped me start a Patreon. And now people are paying me $7 to watch me do this incredibly goofy thing. And so yeah. I'm really excited and it's going really well. I think it's amazing because you know what you're, you're talking about earlier about, you know, what your foundation is, that spirit gives you all these little details, you know, but the core of everything that you do is, is the basis of like, you know, what Don did for you, Don Pedro did for you, but you've got all these little tidbits that come on top. And so I love this, what you're doing, because it helps those to open up to the energy that you're bringing in, you know? It's, yeah. It's I would, people would ask me in the past, oh, you should teach classes. You should teach courses. Do you do mentorship? And even though I am a teacher and have been trained as a teacher, and I think I'm a good one. I was always like, I don't know how to do this in a way that doesn't feel recycled or old or annoying because right. the majority of what I see, especially taught by people who are pretty new to the work is just boring, not useful, mm -hmm. maybe useful to people who are barely in it, which is totally fine. I think if mm -hmm. God calls make some sort of curriculum, awesome, do it. But I mean, I just am not impressed and I don't care. And I'm kind of a snob. If everybody's already done it, I'm not gonna do it. I don't like, know I, you stop. I just consider you to be just, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I don't want to take offense, but quirky, funny, and just really innovative. And and I think that's what captures people, truly, you know. And so I can yeah. just sort of sense I'm in, in some of it is I just, I think I have good business sense. I was raised by a lot of business yeah. owners and teachers, you know? So it's like, I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't want to put effort into creating something I'm not proud of. So when this idea hit me around combining, you know, reading int intuitively reading people on what is essentially a public forum, such as reality television. Right. Right. I don't right. think it's appropriate to do that for in an environment yeah. where people hadn't agreed to be witnessed, right? So when I combined these things, it was like, oh, this is a way that is actually fun to teach it. This is a way I actually get mm -hmm. fun about. And this is essentially structuring its own curriculum without me having to sit down and write for hours about right. stuff that I think other people have written about better. Right. And I love what you're doing too, because it also shows people who are having an awakening Mm -hmm. that because we've been so conditioned to believe that our work has to be like when you were a teacher you know the stagnant structured mm -hmm. yeah. I was the same in government like it has to be this way and I me trying to create be creative and funny creating IT projects like <laughs> that's just not something that I you know so it's it's funny that 
what you're doing is helping to pull those people because we we want to grab those people in the matrix that are just you know not entirely you know they they're they're open but they're you know and I feel like with this what you're doing is definitely going to help people in a lighter way because that's the whole thing I struggle with in the spiritual community too it's so heavy it's so and this is another reason why I created this podcast was to help your experience and different people's perspectives to show people that you can move into your soul's mission in a way that can be fun creative and not so constrictive of what you've been been living before in the past right and it's you're gonna have to go through that break like (laughs) for sure as we all have but the the end result of going through that incredibly hard spiritual labor is not supposed to be more sorrow more sadness more trauma it's supposed to be more lightness more ability to identify joy more freedom to go yes ideally hopefully find what's true for you and this goofy ass thing is true for me and I'm really proud of it I'm really proud of you I think it's courageous and and great a lot of people would be scared to do something out of the norm Chrissy and I was I was yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no I I think it's I think it's really great so all right so do you see any obstacles in, in your way right now? What, what challenges are, are you facing, do you think, in regards sure. to, yeah, leveling up your business or, or moving? Well, one of the things, and this will circle back to where what I was talking about in regards to like whiteness, how it informs me, how whiteness is for all of us, but particularly people who are born of European descent and live in America have been taught the, you know, um, what's the best word? I'm trying to come up with the word. Fragility. Eh, no. no, like it's no. like the like white allegiance to whiteness, which is so often allegiance to America, is something that is propaganda that's taught to us from when we're, from when we're very young. Okay. And so, okay. So breaking away from that, even so, how do you then deal with family members who are still in that, or at least in that? To mm. Blah blah blah. Okay. Which I I think that is people attempt to simplify that often on the internet. They're like, well, just get in a fight with your family, right? Right, right. Cut them off. Right. Or cut them off, get in a fight at Thanksgiving dinner is sort of true. I mean, there's elements of that that are necessary. I've I've done parts of that, right? Or it's like, say nothing. I I lean more to saying nothing, right? Yeah. I have to catch myself because I was raised in at least bits of it were highly fucking traumatizing. So I... My go-to is fawn, fake, people please, smooth over. Right. Fawn, fake, people please, smooth right. over. Fake, people please, smooth over. It's what I've been taught to do since I was very, very small. So to work against that, even for something as necessary and important as race, the fall of my country, right. you know, it's like right. so really right. hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, where I'm struggling to level up has more to do with seeing myself as, I know this sounds counterintuitive I hope I don't sound silly worthy of abundance because I still am in this space especially I'm literally a diagnosed workaholic um who has had to heal elements of that I still see myself as not wanting to have the kind of financial ease that would keep me from being able to relate to people I care about 
And at the same time, if I'm going to be witnessed by a lot of people, I can't, I can't be worried about paying all of my bills. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that makes, that makes complete sense. And, and that whole aspect too, that you're still working in that resistance piece too. I can, I can understand that with your business and all of that, and that creative space kind of alleviates some of that resistance with what you're dealing with in regards to, does it not? Yeah. I mean, in the sense of, in the sense of, if you want to do, God, this is so hard. It's hard for me to say this well in a way that's truly grounded. I just might get it wrong. If you want to be able to do excellent work in the world, ideally you will be put in a space where you have to be less conscious of having your own needs met. I yeah, yeah. I, I feel that whether I feel that's, it's like yeah. You know, whether those needs are met through uh capital that's gained or whether those needs are met through the strength of the community you're building. I don't know. Like right. ideally that has to be what's going on. And there's still this piece of me because in spite of the fact that I was raised upper middle class, it was very new money upper middle class. Very fake. Right you know what's coming up in me is the fact that I don't have anybody in my lineage other than one specific aunt who's been highly demonized for it of women who earn their Mm -hmm. own money wow and this is the thing is like one fucking aunt who earned her own money and they they talk so much shit about her in my family wow okay you're being the example there Chrissy so like all of this that you're doing and all of those challenges and you're saying you know you don't want to do the Thanksgiving fighting and the bringing that up and saying you know um, well, I've already done some of it. It's well, just like I'm that. kind of the one, particularly on my father's side of the family. I'm the one thing that's holding the family together. If I stop playing along, the family will disintegrate. Yeah, Which I is, understand I, that I'm too. Sort of just like, yeah. is it worth it? Is it necessary? Exactly. Exactly. Do you know, what it might be. I don't. I truly don't know. And because we are, because my country is headed for a civil war, objectively, I'm sort of just like, yeah. are we do it now, or should we do it four years from now? I don't right. know. Like in some ways, it's there's a lot of grief there for me. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I'm not trying to make excuses for my behavior or what might be cowardice. It's no. just, there's grief. No, it's, it's, there it's, is. There's grief. There is. And, and I believe though, Chrissy, like how, how you've been led and the work that you're doing. And this is why I honor so much of what you're doing and being that example and the way that, and the way that you are, how you, you do things very professionally, I have to say. The, you know, you do things very professionally and um, just hearing about all your struggles and everything that you went through to get to this point. And I know whoever hears this and identifies with even like, a, you know, as you are a, a cis white woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to see that I can heal, I can be an example, I can move out of old ways of thinking. I don't have to be trapped by my ancestry line. Yeah. You know, all of those things and everything that you're doing. And yeah, it is progress. Of course. I think all of us are going through all of these different things right now as a collective, you know, and, and, and people of color, I see that too. I think what irritates me is the whole victim. Like, I'm like, why can't my people get out of this victim place? Like, let's get out of this victim place. Right. It's very difficult and, and rightfully so there's two, two, you know extremes there but I love that we can come together and have these kinds of conversations because you know you're we're we're doing somewhat similar work but in different ways and and I love exactly the example that you're doing bringing humor and fun and all of those things into it showing that there is a mystical world you can break out of like these family 
ties that you have and you can still come into camaraderie with other people who are also healing like victim mindset and things of the past of what where our ancestors couldn't quite mesh but these ancestors us can do it yeah we're, <laughs> so it's just what am I even trying to say I am still for me to sit here which I wouldn't do but here's why I wouldn't do it for me to sit here and say well all these white women aren't doing the work go, 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 go. like then what? I'm also starting to see a lot of people saying that right it's just so silly yeah if you are you know whiteness if you were raised white and i'm sure like you said in some ways not whiteness and white supremacy is is the water we're swimming in to pretend that you're going to get past it in this lifetime is hilarious (laughs) it's actually really fun i mean you gotta really put your head on the ground you're gonna be able to truly distance yourself from it and be like i healed this is at least if you're white insane inane an inane thing to say so it's more just like where are you in it okay i'm here right you know exactly i'm gonna try my best to be here if you're over you know if i'm on level 10 theoretically okay mm-hmm. i need to try to be true to handle level 10 as best i can with the accountability and awareness that i can if you're on level two to four you don't need to be on level 10 you know, you need to be doing two to four as best you can. Right. Right. I love that. But that's, yeah. So I just, I'm on level 10. I don't even think I'm necessarily acing it. I'm in this weird little window where I love your weird little window. I love your weird little window, but we're coming, we're coming to the end of our podcast here. So, um, yeah, I love this conversation. I I swear I could probably talk to you forever about just I, I everything like honestly the energy everything everywhere that you've come from I'm so happy to hear about your I mean not happy but I mean I'm glad that I heard about your your path and where you came from because I knew there was something deep there I knew there was something but I didn't know the whole story and I was like yeah it's quite fascinating and I love that this is getting out in the world and you're being vulnerable and sharing your story I, I really appreciate that is there anything that you would like to close out with anybody that is listening in regards to the work that you're doing or what's going on in the world any any closing statements sure um okay so this is just i guess for the other white women who are listening really deep significant pain is the cost of being white and so the question is or having chosen whiteness in this lifetime okay you came in, we, I believe we came into this for a reason, whatever. So the question is, are you going to take that pain the way you've been trained to and fling it at other people? Or are you going to take that pain and turn it in toward yourself, which is so much of what depression, mm. anxiety, suicidal ideation is? Or can you kind of find that middle ground of saying, I'm not going to harm myself and I'm going to try my best not to harm other people. And instead I will sit with this pain and allow mm. it to where it wants to go so that I can alchemize it and and try my best however long it takes to heal myself and my family lineage right that's what that's what the work is and and the reason I'm talking about like cults and you know very I know spiritual bypassy shit is simply because there's so many courses and groups and retreats available to you yeah to buy into to say hey you know actually we have this really simple formula you don't have to go do this pain okay 
So I'd say that's one thing. And number two, right. in for this is for everybody, this is just true. If your family line has some big thing that needs to be healed, you are going to deal with it in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing whether that's addiction, sorrow, uh, sexual abuse, secrecy, what I don't know. Whatever it is. Money <laughs> issues, whatever I don't it is. know. If, oh, if yeah. it's in your line and it hasn't been dealt with, then those lessons and gifts will be parsed out amongst the ancestry that exists now. You're dealing yes. with that or being or having to deal with that is not a personal failure or even a moral failure. Even if the way you're dealing with it or going about trying to heal and solve it isn't, you don't think you're doing your best, fine. Okay, maybe that's moral. But the fact that you're experiencing it is not a personal failure. It's just in the family line. It has to happen. Right, right. Thank those you. Are my, those are my closing statements. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. It's power. It's powerful. It's so powerful because that's, that is exactly what you're saying where the work has to happen at this time for us to come together in humanity. So we don't have civil wars, like whatever's happening down. I mean, North America is going through, through massive shifts, man. And, um, I thank you, Christy, for the work that you're doing. I thank you for being on the podcast. I thank you for being a friend. I love you. This is amazing. You guys, please check Christy out. Check out if you're into The Bachelor. Like, I really consider you. If you're into The Bachelor, come hang. Please, desperately come hang. Yes, definitely come hang out. Um, Yeah, and I'm sure I'll probably have Christy again if you'll join me again. We'll we'll talk more one day on this podcast. And um, I love that. Yeah, it'll be great. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Great Break podcast. You'll find Christy's information. I will tag everything down below. And in this video, you can find her social media contact information there and mine as well. This is the Great Break podcast, the podcast you don't want to hear. Take care, guys, and we'll see you soon. Bye.